welcome to the X29 Podcast. I'm your host, Jeff Metters. X29 is committed to holistically caring for church planners, and a big part of that involves supporting church planners' wives. Kirsten Black joins me on the podcast today to discuss women in ministry and how we can support them. Kirsten is X29's Director of Wife Support. She and her husband, Vince, planted the town church in Fort Collins, Colorado. She holds a master's degree in counseling from Covenant Theological Seminary. So Kirsten, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, Jeff. For people out there who don't know who you are, why don't you go ahead and just tell us a little bit about yourself? Sure. Vince and I have been married for 21 years. We have five boys, ages 16 to 9. And then we have two dogs named Kevin and Steve. Uh, We planted our church, the town church in Fort Collins in 2010. Prior to that, we served for almost five years at a church in North Dakota, where we quickly learned we were not North Dakotans. North Dakota is full of really wonderful, resilient people, but that was not us. I graduated from Covenant Theological Seminary in 2000 with a master's in counseling. And I took a 15-year hiatus from getting paid to work in order to stay home with our boys. We homeschooled for 10 years, and now four-fifths of them are at a school here in town. And I currently work, as you mentioned, as the Director of Wives Support for Acts 29. And in my free time, we love to go camping as a family. I love to read, and we do a lot of driving because all five boys play soccer, so we spend a ton of time at the soccer fields. Yeah, we're at the soccer fields a lot too. We got soccer games kicking back up this weekend, tournament, yeah. four four games in a weekend. It's crazy. Yep. <laughs> okay. It's a lot of time. So before we dive in more, your dog's names are, did you say Kevin and Steve? Kevin and Steve. Yes. Okay. I, I love it. So our, <laughs> our, our dog's names are Pancake and Butter. <laughs> That's where we're at. So is, what's the history for Kevin and Steve? You guys think it's funny, like having human names for dogs. And yes. so we've always had human names and we've tried to get a little more just real man names for our dogs, the more, the longer we've had dogs. So it just makes us laugh more than anything. You're right. You're right. Are, are they both male dogs? They are. Okay, both, that would be even funny. Both, although we did meet somebody recently who had a female dog named Steve, which I thought oh, was man. funny. But I've met five people recently that have had dogs named Steve. So I thought we were creative, but apparently not. Yeah. Yeah. We're rolling with Pancake. That's actually my step dog. This is my <laughs> wife's dog before before we got married. And then Butter. And my we want to get another dog. Pancake's very old. So the kids know, and we'll have to get another one soon. Yeah. And they want to, they want to name the new dog whenever it gets here, Cheese. So I think these are great names. You can roll with it. Yeah, I love it. Know. My theory on dogs is having dogs that are just slightly stupid, like not having smart dogs, because smart dogs get in a lot of trouble. Whereas yes. like my dogs are not particularly smart. So they just are content to chase squirrels in the backyard. And so that's always been my approach with dogs. Yeah. Yeah. Our dog Butter is a golden doodle and she's very smart Yeah, and gets in a lot of trouble. Yep. You got to avoid those smart ones. You just go with... Yep. Not stupid, but just little, a little bit dumb. Yeah, that's and that's most of us. That's the space <laughs> that we live in. That's most of us. Okay, so you and, and Vince planted the town church. And mm-hmm. as you said, you're, you're raising five, five boys. You're ministry leader, working for Acts 29. And so we got a lot of women that listen as well. They're working moms, serving in the church, maybe stay-at-home moms, but homeschooling, just busy a lot of busy women who are mm-hmm. listening as well. So what pro tips do you have for, for busy women that are listening who are seeking the the kingdom of God? I mean, I think pro tips would have to be what every Christian needs to fight for and just being confident in who God made you to be and how he's gifted you. 
I'd say prayerfully consider the roles that you're considering serving in. And it's good to see a need and fill it, but it's also good to ask the Lord if filling that role is something that he actually wants for you and learn that it's okay and healthy to say no and understand that when you don't step in to fill a role, it's an opportunity for God to put someone else in that place. I think it's really important to understand how to biblically prioritize relationships and what's got, where God has actually called us to serve versus what the world says is valuable, and then hold fast to God's standards there. We went through about a 10-year period where I had babies and toddlers, and there was not a lot of ways that I could serve in the church. And so just really, Vince did a really good job of casting vision for me and just understanding that my primary role um, in that season was to love my husband and raise my boys and disciple them. And that gave me a lot of freedom to be able to say no to a lot of really good things in the church. I couldn't serve in children's ministry, but I was serving the church on Sundays by taking care of my five boys and making sure that Vince was able to do his job. And I didn't always set boundaries well. So there's absolutely been seasons that I way overcommitted. And honestly, I was really stressed and overwhelmed. And then there's also been seasons that the boundaries that I set have been too firm and I haven't served well. And so Again, I think having a firm grasp on what God's calling you to do and is really helpful and healthy and being gracious with yourself as you learn what that looks like. I'd say ask for input. If you're married, ask for input from your husband about how to set healthy boundaries from your friends, from other godly people in your life. Vince has been super helpful in just helping me navigate what healthy boundaries look like in ministry. So asking for input. And then I'd say, finally, just learning, like every person does, what healthy boundaries look like. And just because there's a godly endeavor, it doesn't necessarily mean that it's the godly endeavor that God is asking of you. Yeah, yeah, that's a good word. And I'm sure as kids get older, I, I used to think having young kids that, oh, things will get easier, that the older they get, and this is just not true. They get busier, you get busier. And probably if the church is getting busier and just life. And so there, there's so much that comes at us and, and we need counsel. We need to encourage one another and yeah. and look to those ahead of us for, for, how, for how to keep going. Yeah. And I think the busyness changes. Like moms of babies and toddlers are super busy because they're hands-on all the time. And then as your kids get older, it's more of an emotional busyness. Like you're more emotionally invested in your kids and there's a busyness of driving them around and yeah. attending to their schedules and their routines and stuff. And so I think the busyness just changes and it kind of morphs and stuff, but there's not a season with parenting that doesn't feel busy in a certain sense. Yeah, that's so true. And I, and I love that as X29 is launching these new initiatives, there's support for going to be more support for pastors and for, for pastors' wives as well. And that's, I think, the space that you're going to be working in, the director of wife support. So why don't you just mm -hmm. tell us a little bit and describe your role now at, at X29. Sure. I came on staff in 2019, really to start a pilot in the West for wives support. We'd been meeting in the Rocky Mountain region in Colorado for about two or three years at that point as wives and just saw really a lot of value in the connection that we had. And so I reached out to Brian Howard in 2018 and just said, we're missing the mark here as far as not having a finger on the pulse of the wives, because these wives are in the trenches doing the really hard and faithful and oftentimes painful work of church planting, and yet they have no connection, no support from our network. And wives are really the windows into the souls of our husbands. And if we want to have a better understanding of the health of our network, we have to view it more holistically. And at that time, Brian Howard basically said, what do you want to do about it? He's been super receptive and supportive of this initiative from the very beginning. 
And I think Acts 29 is really doing a great job of prioritizing this in a lot of ways. So I started in 2019 and built out a pilot program in the U.S. West of just an opportunity for wives to to connect in their areas. We said we wanted to support wives with care, connection, and community. And in our first year, we saw over 80% participation among the wives of lead pastors. And in all honesty, I really think had anyone come in and set up a framework, it probably would have taken off just because there's such a need there. So this year, in 2021, I've been tasked with building the same framework of support for the rest of the U.S. And so we've got five regions. The West is already up and running and in the process of hiring my last wife support coordinator. And the wife support coordinators will oversee each region and then we're breaking each region into smaller areas and setting up a framework so that wives can connect in, in their areas just on a one-on-one basis. As the initiative is getting rolling, as it's already up in, in the West, what are some things that you hope to uh, accomplish with it in 2021? Sure. Like I said, we're hiring a wife support coordinator in each region. And then from there, we'll break each region into smaller areas. And then we'll identify a leader called a lead support wife in each of those areas. And then from there, she'll just have the job of reaching out to each of the wives in her area and just planning times of connection, whether that be face-to-face or over Zoom, just one-on-one contacts with each of those wives. And so really our goal is to make sure that every lead pastor's wife has the opportunity to connect with other women in their roles if they want. It's certainly not a requirement by any stretch of the imagination, but just providing opportunity for wives to feel a sense of connection and support as they navigate these really hairy waters of ministry. Yeah, so I'm so excited that we're doing this. You're so right to to see the need because I think about how much care and support that I received from X29 and, and care and support I was able to give to other brothers in X29. And then we should have the same for our sisters in, in the network too. And so I'm really excited that you're going to be serving and helping this roll forward. Thanks. I'm excited too. I'm really thankful too for the network. I just feel like they've been uh, really supportive of this initiative and they've backed it financially this year. And we have a budget for every wife in the network. And so it's just been, it's been great. And with Brian Howard at the realm now, I just feel like he's really paving the way for this. So I'm really excited. Yeah. And if I could speak to the men that are listening to the, to the lead planters, lead pastors that are listening uh, to really encourage your wife to be involved, obviously you're saying it's not required by, by any stretch of the imagination, but to really encourage and give her the space, give her the time, support her, keep the kids that night, be, have fun with your kiddos while, while your wife does those things with the women's training initiative. So our support initiative. So please let's, let's do that together. Yeah. It's a good word. Kirsten, what are some of the long-term goals that you have for caring for the wives of our planters and pastors? Sure. I think a long-term goal would just, I would love to see Acts 29 be a place, a resource for women in ministry in general. I'd love to eventually move to a place that all women in ministry can view Acts 29 as a place to go for care, connection, and community, but that would be way down the road. So at this point, my goal would just be to make sure that every wife is relationally connected within the network. Yeah, that's great. That's great. There's, there are here in Houston, we have a great concentration of X29 churches. Mm-hmm. And so we've been able to build out just some of this organically, yeah. but I think it's going to serve our network so well to have the systems and, and the structures in place for everybody to receive that kind of care. Yeah. And we really want to prioritize on those relationships that are already in existence and on those areas that are already connected. So our goal is not to come in and restructure especially when there's like dense church population, like not restructure those areas, but really capitalize on those relationships that are already there. Yeah. 
You know, when I think about the local church and ministry, what, what happens there in, in our spaces is I know from experience working in a local church is that many women often find it difficult mm-hmm. to find time to serve in ministry, especially mm-hmm. if they're got young children or they're working outside the home. Maybe they're going to school. Maybe they have night shifts and, and they're a nurse that has to work on a weekend or, or, or whatever the case may be. Others just unsure of how they can serve or, or lead out in various aspects in a local church. How do you think pastors and planters can help create a church culture that not only invites women to lead out in a variety of ways, but also, you know, it really expects them to serve and to lead? Sure. I think in general, when women see other women in positions of leadership, it really emboldens them to step up. I think women need to be bold, both in observing, but also asking, like, where can I serve? And also, where can I lead? And I'd say as church leaders, finding opportunities, no matter how small or insignificant they seem, to have women in positions of leadership. For example, if there's a woman who's leading something and there's communication needed, let that woman make the announcement. Let her lead in that. It's just providing opportunities to have women up front. I think I'd say maybe outside of the proclamation of God's word on Sunday morning, if it's not geared directly towards males, then have women in leadership positions. Uh, We have a church leadership course at our church that's co-led by our spiritual formation pastor and also by another woman in the church who's gifted in teaching. And so, again, really being intentional about providing opportunities for women to lead in areas that they're gifted. And then I'd say in all areas that are visible prominence, have women there in every area where it's not specifically instructed in scripture to be led by a male, have women serving and leading. Yeah. Yeah, that's a great word. I love that our local church at different points in the service, women will also read scripture. Sometimes mm-hmm. men will read scripture. There's a variety of, of things you can consider in a, in a local church. I, I think each local church can find these ways where they can encourage the visibility of, of women leading out and serving too. That's really what it is. It's just in increasing the visibility of women and being intentional about that. Like when you have someone read scripture, being intentional about asking women to do it. And we have women that serve communion at our church and women that are greeters and women that make announcements. And so really being intentional about who you're choosing and putting in those positions. Yeah. Yeah. When you think about investing intentionally in women, how how does that benefit the work of church planting and our overall mission to advance the kingdom of God here on earth? Sure. Obviously women are half of the population. So when we intentionally invest in women, we're investing in half of the people that God has called to be on mission. There's an author named Carolyn Curtis James, and she said that the the full flourishing of God's sons requires and even depends on the full flourishing of God's daughters. And so I think it's understanding that really in order for both men and women to fully flourish, we need to deeply and intentionally invest in both. And if we believe that God uniquely gifts every believer, which we do, then I think that women are given and utilize specific gifts and skills that men just don't have. And so it benefits the church because women are given gifts that men may not have. And it's also a model to future generations of what women in leadership looks like. Even as we look at the women named throughout the New Testament accounts, we see women who are leaders and they impacted cities and generations through their leadership. And so if we truly believe the gospel, then we have to intentionally invest in both men and women in order for the gospel to advance. I think if we only invest in women, or for that matter, only if in men, if we only invest in one or the other, then it really presents a truncated gospel. It's it's yeah. incomplete. Yeah, yeah. I, as a man in the local church, me personally, I need the gifts of the women 
in our church mm-hmm. as as much as they need the gifts of men that together we do complement one another and we encourage one another we equip one another we empower one another to be a fully healthy local church and a yep. fully fruitful local church i think it's so important for, for us to recognize the gifts that god has given to all of us and to really operate together because without it we will i think we'll be a stunted a stunted church without women serving. I just want to encourage pastors and planters listening to pray for the Priscilla's Mm -hmm. in your local church. Don't just look for Aquila's, look for the Priscilla's too, to pray for the Lydia's that God would bring into your church that would be great servants, savvy leaders that could help uh, set up a network of relationships in the community that connect others in evangelism and renewal. So just to pray that God would bring those kinds of leaders, I think it would be a great first step for the pastors and elders and, and deacons listening. Yeah, absolutely. On the flip side, what happens when we don't support the wives uh, of church planners? What's at stake and, and what's the risk if we don't take these steps? Sure. I think a unique part of being a pastor's wife and especially a lead pastor's wife, and I speak from personal experience here, is that a lot of people don't see and realize that every aspect of her life is touched by her husband's role. And there's not many jobs in which a wife's role is so deeply impacted by her husband's role. So, you know, the church that she attends, the community that she connects to, the ministries in which she serves, many of her children's friendships, the people that she has in her home, they're often tied to her husband's calling. And so when the wife doesn't have the support that she needs, she often feels really isolated and alone. It's just, it's a complex role where she's on mission with her husband, but she doesn't often have a lot of time to invest deeply in relationships outside of the demands that come with ministry. And then there's the added part that often the pastor's wife has to navigate a lot of people wanting to be close to her because of who her husband is, but not necessarily because of who she is. And she has entire portions of her life that she just can't talk about with other people. So she has to learn a lot of discernment around what she can share and what she can't share. So because of this, friendships are just really difficult to navigate for most pastors' wives. So very often they end up feeling really alone. I read a statistic pre-COVID, so I'm sure things have changed, but it said that on average, about 40% of Americans struggle with isolation and loneliness. Mm. And the stat for pastors' wives was almost double that. It was like 75 to 80%. So it's a really complex position. So I think... What's at stake is a lot bigger than what we realize. I recently read a stat that said only 10% of pastors who start out in ministry end up retiring in ministry, and that the average stay of a pastor is about four years. And I've researched and searched, try to find why pastors leave ministry, and there's all the reasons you could think of. But one stat that I've never been able to come across um, is what percentage of pastors or pastors leave because their wives were miserable. And I think Mm. that would probably be a pretty high statistic. Personally, we reached a point about five or six years ago that I was ready to tap out. Like we had just gone through a really painful season of betrayal by a staff elder and losing our closest friends and our kids losing their friends. And it it literally nearly took us out of ministry altogether. And I told my husband, I'm ready to be done. I don't want to do ministry anymore. This is just way too hard. And he listened and we, and we processed through it. And as we processed, I think what I realized was that I'm just not equipped to carry the weight of pastoral ministry. Like I'm not gifted as a pastor and he is. 
And my husband had an elder team around him and he had other staff members and stuff that could carry the weight. But the stuff that he brought home, I didn't have anybody to carry that weight with me outside of him. And so anything he brought home, I was carrying alone. And so it really, it almost crushed me. And so I was almost the thing that took him out of ministry. And so when wives don't have connection, when they don't have a safe outlet, they don't have a place to process the inevitable hurts that are going to come with ministry. I think what's at stake is a shortened ministry span for the couple. I mean, there's seasons that are just so heavy and so painful and so hard that without other women to help carry the load, I think wives burn out. And sometimes, sadly, what's at stake is also marital health, and that end up ends up leading into the church. So I think if we love and support the wives of pastors, we are indirectly loving and supporting the church and its leadership. Yeah. You're so right, Kirsten. I, as you were talking, I couldn't help but think the things I've heard said to my wife and to other pastors' wives as well is there's really no other profession on the planet where you get introduced by your husband's job. Mm-hmm. Like I, I've never met anybody who said, "Oh, this is Jane, and she's a lawyer's wife." Mm-hmm. This is this is Sally, and she's an accountant's wife. Yeah. Uh, a plumber's wife. I mean, like those, you just don't hear that, especially not in our culture. Nobody talks like that. And it comes with a, a weird stigma and expectation or, mm-hmm. or baggage that as as leaders, at least as a pastors, men, we, we have spaces where we can go where, hey, we, we're in the trenches together. We have the same responsibilities and jobs and a place where people don't really care that you're a pastor. Mm-hmm. They just like you for, for being you. And I remember there was a, a great lady here in Houston. And she, she told my wife one time, she said, you'll know who your truest and deepest and real friends are by how they introduce you. Mm, yep. That's really they'll, true. Yeah. They'll either say, this is Natalie, my, my friend, or Natalie, my pastor's wife. Yeah. And I've been really hurt in the past when there have been people that I, I thought were my friends and they introduced me as their pastor's wife. And I don't, there's not intention there, but you do want to be known for who you are and not who your husband is. And that's been really true in many relationships. I thought, oh, okay. I thought we were friends and we are friends, but I thought our friendship was different than that. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good way. A good way to, to, to think about it. I'm really excited to to see the, the work that you're going to bring to our network and how it's just going to be such a blessing unto the women. I'll be praying for you. And I know I just want to encourage all, all the men in the network to be praying for our wives and be praying for this initiative and to do all that we can to support it and, and to make sure that not only just our wives are cared for, but also that our families would be well cared for, our churches would be well cared for. And, and it does begin at home. It, it begins with this couple. And so Kirsten, I'm really excited for you. And what you're going to be doing. I'm excited too. We usually end the podcast with a little bit of a speed round, but it's never been fast. So (laughs) I keep saying I need to change the name. Speedy-ish round. Speedy-ish round. So we'll do question number one. And you can always do more than one book, more than one book too. Great book you've read recently that you'd want to recommend. I mean... I think it's the trendy one, but I read Gentle and Lonely by Dane Ortland, and that was great. And then also The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry by John Mark Comer was really helpful for me, too. Oh, yeah. Yeah, very good. I did that on Audible. It was great. It was him reading it, so that that made it really fun. But I feel like I read it because I was trying to hurry and get through it. (laughs) Which kind of defeated the purpose. Yeah, I feel like I need to. I, I couldn't. I was listening to it on like double speed. This is not right. So I need to like go get the book, slow down and and actually read it. Yeah. (laughs) Great great books. Okay. So let's imagine that we're at an X29 conference 
and you're got some women's initiative leaders and you're walking into the coffee shop there, what, what's your go-to order? Probably either a mocha or a caramel latte. We have a shop here in town that makes a bourbon caramel latte, oh. which is just, it just touches your soul. Yeah. Oh, I bet that is delicious. Okay. I'm going to have to check that out if I'm ever in Fort, Fort Collins, Collins there Colorado. There it is. Okay. Last and, and final question, your favorite verse and, and why? Second Corinthians 12, nine, my grace is sufficient for you for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore I'll boast all the more gladly in my weakness so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. And why? Probably because anxiety is a huge part of my story and just having, I've struggled with anxiety now for probably on and off for 25 years. And this verse just constantly reminds me that when I'm struggling and when I'm feeling particularly weak and beaten down with anxiety, like God's power is actually being perfected in me. So I can boast about it and just say, look what God is doing in spite of the fact that I feel really weak and broken. Yeah. Amen. Amen. His grace is sufficient for us. And we can draw near to that throne of grace and receive help in, in time of need. I'm right there with you. And I'm sure there's men and women listening who need that verse and, and to know they can do the same thing. Kirsten, thank you so much for, for coming on, on the podcast. It's great, great to have you on and great to hear about these initiatives. Thanks for having me, Jeff. And listeners, be sure to leave a review there in your podcast app. It's super simple. All you have to do is just scroll up and just tap those five stars. You can even leave a little note if you'd like it to go out to the podcast team right there in your app. And be sure to share about this show and the podcast there uh, in your social media networks as we'd love to have more listeners and more people be blessed uh, by what X29 is doing here. And remember, remember listeners, let's keep planning churches to the ends of the earth.